Oh, good morning and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving indeed. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture. You can turn there if you want, Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to look at, I guess, it's not supposed to be, but it's the secret to, uh, excuse me, I, my shirt shrunk over the Thanksgiving break. I, <laughs> we're going to learn what's not supposed to be a secret to living out the Christian life. And to do that, I'm going to review. We're, we're kind of in the last week of a series together talking about our church, uh, Grace. We've celebrated 50 years, and now we kind of wanted to say, okay, that's the last 50. What are we going to do for the next 50? And it's kind of all come together as you see the sign of the, kind of the pieces work together as it applies to this passage. So why do we exist? We saw this in the weeks preceding. We exist to glorify God by guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. We glorify God by guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. I don't want to get too far ahead and just say, let's stop and look at the word glorify, to glorify God. It's so important. The word glorify certainly means to give honor or praise. Those are church words, and they're true, but they're not very concrete. And so there's an application, an aspect of Glory that I'd like for you to entertain because it, it's a major motivation for what we do, how we do it, and why we do it at all. Look at glory this way. Every story needs a hero, and the hero gets the glory. The hero is what the story's about in a lot of ways. We remember the story by remembering the hero. And in the context of Grace Covenant Church, we want God to be the hero of every story here. We want God to receive the glory to every story here. Do we play a part? Sure, we play a part, but not the part of the hero. Let me give you just kind of a, kind of a concrete way to maybe help visualize this. When I was in seminary, our school, uh, the student body just kind of put it together, but a two-on-two football tournament and we played that, you know, lunchtime in the courtyard. And I was the quarterback of my two-on-two team. And we never lost. Went undefeated. Kind of were the champions. And, and here's how this worked. These are my roommates in seminary. These are the four of us. And my partner was that guy spinning the ball on his finger because that's Ralph. And he is an exceptional athlete. And I was able to complete 97 of my passes because this was our play. Ralph would say this, Matt, just throw the ball up there and I'm going to get underneath it. And doggone it, that he was so fast, he could get underneath anything that I threw. And so I threw, he caught, we won. We won everything. We didn't, we never lost. And so, but here's the point. When we talk about, you know, the, the big championship, I'm sure they're still talking about at the seminary, <clears throat> they don't talk about me. I'm not the hero of that story. Ralph is the hero of that story, and Ralph gets the glory. He ran under every crazy thing I threw up in the sky. That's hero. That's how glory works. David, King David, he's just a really good rock thrower. He's not the hero of the story. He doesn't get glory, and that's because he says this. Uh, to Goliath, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin. I come to you in the name of the God of war. Goliath, catch this. And that's why in that story, Yahweh is the hero of that story. 
David knew he was playing a minor role, but the glory goes to the hero, and the hero was Yahweh. So here at Grace Covenant Church, when we say glorify God by, it's because we want him to receive that glory because he is the focal of each one of these stories that we tell, every little bitty one we have. We say we're here to make disciples. We're a discipleship church. And what is a disciple? That means to become like Christ in all of life. We're not a church that says, hey, let's go help people convert to Christianity and then move on and convert to Christianity. Or, or we help you convert to Christianity, and then you help people go convert to Christianity. And it's all about how many people convert. Actually, we're a church that says, no, the Bible says to make disciples and they make disciples. And so at Grace, we're trying to become complete, help you become all like Christ, you know, like Christ in all of your life while you're helping other people become like Christ in all of their life. So we're constantly guiding and being guided with each other. And so at Grace, uh, we talk about making disciples, and that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks in the context of how do we make disciples how do we get this done? How do we help people become like Christ in all of life? Well, we've, we've talked about truth. We love the Bible, and that's a very important part of how God works in people's lives. We talked about relationships. Everybody needs a buddy last week, and then this week, here we go. Today, we talk about what I would consider the most neglected aspect of Christian growth in the history of the church. For 2,000 years, churches have failed to teach the power of this aspect of the gospel. Here we go. Here's God's will for your life. Here's God's plan. He's going to make you his perfect child. God's plan is to make you his perfect child. That's what he's going to do. Yahweh sets his mind to that, and that will happen. Now, in that phrase right there, there's two parts of it. I'm going to use some big church words here, but to, the first part is to make you his child. That is called salvation, and particularly the word is justification. I'll explain more later. And then the second part of the two-step ambition God has for us is to make us his perfect child. That is being made holy, or another word would be sanctification. So the first one is to make you his, his child. That's justification. The second one is to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. That's called sanctification. But Yahweh, make no, no, make no mistake about this, he's going to make you his perfect child. Now, this is the key to everything here. This is the part that people miss. Okay? The way God makes you his child is the same way he will make you his perfect child. Look at that. The way God makes you his child is the same way that he will make you his perfect child. Same method, same means, same everything. So how does he make you his child? Let's look at that because it's the same for salvation is the same as sanctification. This is how God makes you his child. This is salvation. This is justification. And to be clear, it is not by works. It is not by doing good. You don't, do, you, don't, you don't go to church or mass or do these various things so that you can earn a place in his standing or that you might be able to have a conversation with him, whatever, whatever that ramp that you might be on. This is what the Bible says clearly, that, that salvation comes by faith alone, in grace alone, in Christ alone. 
Okay? Faith alone, in grace alone, by Jesus Christ alone. Just to be picturesque so that you can see this. This is on, on purpose here. Grace literally means gift. Okay? So when we say grace, let's not like confuse that. It means, it means it's a gift. It's a free gift. And so this is the definition of Christianity. It is trusting only alone in that. Trust alone, not doing anything, in that gift alone because it's more than sufficient. It's going to pay all the bills that we need paid. And the gift is from Jesus Christ alone. That's what it means. That's how you become justified, right? And it has to be that way. All those alones, it has to be that way. Because if you take one of those away, it's no, the formula doesn't work. If you, if, you, if you work for a gift, it's not a gift. And it has to be gift. It has to be grace alone. And so if, if I were to give you that big gift over there and you say, well, how much do I owe you? If you pay me, it's, it's, it's merely an exchange. It's a purchase is what it is. You can't purchase your salvation. I mean, that's one of the problems here. Here's a gift. No, it's, it's, it's a free gift. And the promise, if you believe in the promise of God, this is where faith is, if you trust in the promise of God, if you trust that the gift of Jesus' death and the resurrection that came afterwards was payment in full, your debt against God the Father and his holiness, that he, he quenched your shame and replaced that with honor. He took your powerlessness and gave you his power. If you believe that, the Bible says you are, quote, justified. And when the Bible uses the word justified, it's very important to understand that that's a legal term, and they're doing that on purpose. There's a couple illustrations in our own experience. Uh, when you are standing before a judge and it's a criminal case, the second that gavel hits and that judge says you're innocent, that moment you're justified. That's when the Bible, that's when that term is used, that second. Another legal way we would use that is if you were up for adoption and the judge kind of took his rubber stamp and he went boom, boom. When that ink hits the page, that moment you have become adopted. You might not get to the parents for a week or sometimes a month, sometimes a year, but that baby is yours. If you're that child, you're owned. Owned by who? It says here, God. You are justified at that very second. Now, that word justified is important because now we're going to look at how Paul is going to emphasize this point that this justification cannot possibly happen with anything from us. It has to be a gift. Watch how Paul's going to use the word justified over and over again and how he's going to constantly say how you don't get it, and then he's going to say how you do get it. He wants to make this clear. In Galatians chapter 2, he says this, Know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith only in Jesus Christ. For we who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by the faith in Jesus Christ. Only the faith, not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one can be justified. He's making it very clear. It's a gift. And it's an adequate gift. It's more than adequate. You don't have to add something to this gift to be justified. If you add something to the gift, you void the contract. You have to trust faith alone in that gift alone of salvation through Jesus, by Jesus alone. It can't be any other way. 
I'm going to tell you logically why it can't be any other way. Okay, you can't just do the next good thing and the next good thing and the next good, good, good thing and find your way to justification. Here's why. Because just doing the next good thing in any kind of culture, in any kind of religion, it doesn't have the power to change you. You might change habits, but you won't change your soul. You won't change the identity of who you are. You won't change the essence of who you are. We're way too broken for that. You want to pay this off in little do-goods? I don't think you understand what the debt is, the Bible would say. We're way too broken. That's part one. We can't pay this. Someone else has to. That's what Jesus did. It's more than adequate. The second part is this. goes back to glory. Whose story is this? Who's the hero? If I'm keeping score on just doing good things and obeying the law, I get a piece of that trophy. And I want to tell you something about how the universe works. No one shares the trophy with God. Salvation story, it's a God story. It's all about God. It's all about the gift. It's all about what he did. He's the hero. Listen to this. The father chooses to send the son. Glory to be to God. The son chooses to obey the father and come here and die. Glory to God. The spirit raises Jesus from the dead. Glory to God. He's the hero. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're the hero. They get the glory. Do we play a part in this story? You bet we do. We nailed him to the cross. That's the part we played. That's what we do. And we do it well, don't we? To become a child of God, just to make sure we understand, to become a child of God, you have to believe in a miraculous intervention from a holy God that chooses to pay those debts that we can't pay. It's a gift from the outside. And the end of the story goes like this. Everybody's salvation story, it, somewhere in the, it says this. Oh, man, it's a God story. Sit down, I'm going to tell you this great God story. It's always a God story because God's always the hero. And when we say that, we're giving glory to God. And that's how every story ends in the universe. Glory to God. Now, before we get into the second part of this understanding, I want to make sure some of, there, some of you that might be here might not have ever chosen this method. This is the only road. This is the narrow road the Bible talks about of having be, how to become one of his children. And if you've trusted in anything except faith alone, in that gift alone, from Jesus alone, the Bible says you are not one of his. And if you want to change that, you can today. And you just, you, we'll pray at the end too, but you just say, look, I, I've been on the wrong road. I thought I could get something. I thought I could be part of this. I didn't realize how desperate things were. And now I receive that gift, and I trust that that gift is enough, and it satisfies what's required so that I could become yours. You can do that today. And the moment you believe that, that second, you are justified. That's what Paul said. I'm just quoting him. That is salvation by grace alone. Okay? So... How are we sanctified? How do we become like Christ in all of life? This is the part where for 20 centuries the church has missed. 
There's something about our nature, and I would say our fallen nature, that says, okay, now that I'm a child of God, I'm going to get to work here. Because what the Bible says is not that. The Bible says, you know, what was a gift, it, it stays as a gift. Watch how Paul is coming after a church just a few years old. So this goes back centuries, right? It just keeps happening to mankind. They keep wanting to start by grace and then perfect by works. And so Paul is, watch how critical he is of these people, and he calls them names. He's going to call them foolish at least twice. Watch. And he might be talking to us. Galatians 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, did someone cast a spell on you? Look, I want to know this one thing from you, right? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Or by believing, by faith, what you heard. Are you so foolish? There it is again. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So, again, i got to ask you, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing in what you heard? You see how, Paul, look how, you see how people are making a critical decision of how they become like Christ in all of life. And here's the point. Here's the key. I'm going to do it all over again. The way God makes you his child is the way he's going to make you his perfect child. But it is like us to take the gift of salvation and say, okay, now I'm going to earn my way so that God likes me as his child. Salvation is by faith alone, in grace alone, from Christ alone. That's justification. Could I explain to you? Sanctification. This is how it looks. Faith alone, grace alone, by the Spirit alone. Now the Spirit's doing the work. Jesus has returned to heaven. He left us his Spirit so that the Spirit would change us as a gift. That's why we're trusting only in the gift, only not our own stuff, by the power of the Holy Spirit only. And that's, that's the part that people don't do. They, they, they jump onto legalism after they become believers. Now, there's, two, there's legalism. Let me explain what I mean by that. There's two kind of types of legalism. There's salvation legalism, and then there are other words, sanctification legalism. Salvation legalism, honest to goodness, verifiable heresy, Okay. That type of legalism says if you just you become a child of God by working and working and working, and then God might like you, and then he might receive you, we'll see. You won't know until the end. It's not, it's not a gift, right? Or it's a gift with something on top of that. Okay, that's a legalistic view of salvation. That's wrong. God's not the hero in that story. He doesn't get the glory. But there's also a legalism in sanctification. Sanctification says Oh, this is awesome. I've been adopted. But to become a perfect child, that's back on me. I'm his. Now I've got to try and try and try and try. It's a gift plus works. And you know what Paul says to that? You foolish Galatians. Did someone cast a spell on you? At what point did you ever think that would work? Where has it ever worked? And this is where many churches throughout history and right here today that's what they do. They get you to work. Now, just, okay, just to be clear about this, legalism, let me tell you what legalism is not, and then I'll tell you what it is. Legalism is not like the presence of the law. 
Okay, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the, Old, in the Old Testament of all the psalms. And the whole book, I mean, Psalm 119, it's just, it's, it's just going on and on and on and on about all the great things that the law brings to us. It's a good thing that the, God gave us the law. And I love the law. We prayed that the children today would fall in love with the law of God. It's a good thing. It can't change a soul. That's all. I mean, it just can't. It doesn't have the power to do that. It never did. Legalism is not imposing the law on someone else, a friend, a family, a stranger, you know, how about this? Stay in your lane, bro. That's not legalism. That's, that's a good way to stay alive. So legalism is this. Legalism is an attitude towards doing good. It's an attitude towards the law. It's, here's a great word. It is hope. It is putting hope in that. It, if I do these things, so God would like me. Or maybe you do these things so that I look good and other people will like me. But I'm hoping that I can change through the law. And that, that is legalism in the context of sanctification. And, and it just, <laughs> you, the way God made you a child of God is the way he's going to make you a perfect child of God. It will be by grace because that's the only thing that can change you. It has to be a miracle story. It has to be a perpetual story of the Holy Spirit invading your life because you realize it's the only thing that can change these inner dramas. You know, things like vanity or, or coveting or pride. Your story is supposed to be a God story, not just your birth, but your whole life. And Paul, watch this, Paul is going to use three experiences that this audience knows all too well to prove this point. And the point is, the way he makes you a child is the way he's going to make you a perfect child, by grace, through faith, in the Spirit, in Jesus. Look what he says. He does his own experience. He goes, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. We read it earlier. But you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed, crucified. I mean, you saw that already. They didn't see literally Jesus crucified. They saw Paul's life living the crucified life. That's what he's referring to. Paul says, you remember when I came to town? Did I look like the old rabbi you used to know? Heavy laden by all the rules? No, you saw freedom. You saw what happens when grace transforms. You saw the power of trusting in the gift of salvation, Jesus, and the power of the Spirit to change me. You saw me crucified. That legalist, that crazy rule-keeping Paul, he was dead. You saw that in me. Come on. You saw the joy in my life. It's a God story. In Paul's story, God is the hero. In Paul's story, God gets the glory. That's how he leads. That's his first sentence. Then he goes to them. He goes, look, your, your own story, it started out good, but then you guys wrecked it. He goes, here's the other thing I want to ask, find out from you guys. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing by faith? Mm, you know that. So then does he who provides you with the Spirit and work miracles among you, did, you, did he do that by works of the law or by hearing by faith? He's, like, he's just recalling their own stories of, of not just conversion, but how they were having radical changes in their, in their lives. Their, their selfishness was becoming selflessness. Tell me about that. Was that like a, a, a program that you went through? What did you do to get there? It was a miracle. God's Spirit was working miracles among them. 
So who is the hero of your story? God. Who got the glory in your story? God. Then why did you switch tracks? Why did you go to this other model? Finally, he goes to the, right, the, the author of sa- salvation faith and sanctification faith, and that's Abraham. So he goes to Abraham, and he says, even Abraham believed God, and at that moment, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Here's a man who defines faith. Abraham, 75 years old, his wife way past childbirth. He's probably really past childbirth, and God says, I promise you a gift, a son. And Abraham said, you know what? I believe that. And he believed in the gift of a miracle baby. And the Bible says at that second, he was pronounced, reckoned to him as righteous. He was justified that very second. Did he have the baby? No, he did not. Did he have the baby because he worked hard at it? He did not. Ten years go by, still no baby. God shows up again and says, hey, Abraham, what's up? And he goes, yeah, I know, what's up? And he goes, I promised you a baby. And Abraham believed. Here's faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I don't see a baby, but I believe one's coming. You're the father of faith. 24 years after the promise, God visits him again, and, and Abraham says, I don't have it, but I believe it. The reason I think, okay, that God went, started with a 75-year-old and ended with a 99-year-old is so that everyone in 4,000 years and between will be talking about the miracle baby. Isn't a, this is a guy that just tried harder, saw fertility specialist, whatever, whatever, whatever. This was a gift from God. He believed in that gift, and that was reckoned to him as righteousness. Who's the hero of that story? God is. Who gets the glory of the whole story of Israel? Not just that man, but the nation. Even today, God's the hero of that story. God gets the glory. Nobody shares the glory with him. Nobody's getting a piece of that trophy. It's all his. It is by a gift alone that you become a child of God. It is by grace alone that you become a perfect child of God. So here, all of this is leading up to this sentence. Are you ready? Brace yourself. Here we go. And so, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? You started with a God thing, and now it's going to be a you thing. Did you just do that? Legalism is where you put your hope. Are you hoping that you'll just become better? God is the hero of salvation. God is the hero of sanctification. It's the glory to God Almighty. That's who makes us, and that's who changes us. Just to, in writing, here it is. It is a gift alone that you become a child of God. God's the hero to that story. It is by grace alone that you become his perfect child of God. So, some, you might need to repent of trying to, like, be a foolish Galatian. Uh, yeah, I believe in grace. I become a Christian, but I've been working, slaving. What does it look like? In other words, what does it look like to live by faith in sanctification? Okay, how do I, how do, I do this regularly? Here's, here's a way of looking at life. It, it's like, what's a, where do you put your hope? That's legalism, right, or, or not. Uh, a hammer is a good example. Hammer is a tool, okay? A hammer is a tool, and does a does a hammer drive a nail? No, it does not. 
A carpenter drives a nail in the hand the hammer is in his hand. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Hammer is the primary means that the carpenter has chosen to drive nails. Okay? But I've seen carpenters drive nails with rocks and drills and wrenches. And so it's not the hammer. It's how good the carpenter is. And so my hope is in the carpenter, not in the tool. Okay, now I'm going to make a jump here. Bible study is a great hammer. It's a great tool. Bible, we learned a few weeks ago, is the primary means that the Father's chosen, that the Spirit's going to use to make us like Christ. But it can't change us. It doesn't have the power to change us. It never could. You can study the law. Do that. Go to Bible studies. Absolutely. Memorize as many chapters as you can. That would be very good for you. But it cannot change your soul. It's just a tool. Don't put faith in the tool. Put faith in the carpenter. That's how this works. So Martin Lloyd-Jones said, said this. He's an old saint. He said, I spent half my time telling people to study doctrine, and then the other half of my time I'm telling people doctrine's not enough because doctrine can't change you. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it can be looked at as an act of works or, or flesh or whatever it might be. Look, the men who framed Jesus Christ and led the chant, crucify him, crucify him, they were all Bible scholars. If it could change a heart or soul, they would have done that. What God began in the Spirit, are you now perfecting in Bible study? You foolish Galatians. Here's another way of looking at it, okay? Here's, here's like a little more concrete, okay? Uh, I'm going to say don't be Biff, okay? Names are changed to protect uh, me from getting in trouble. Um, so a friend of mine had to confront Biff on his pride. Oh, my goodness, you couldn't go to a restaurant with this guy without him. Anyway, so, so my friend confronted him about his pride and said, we got we to gotta do something because this is, this is significant. We can't, we can't put up with it anymore. And so this is Biff's response to my friend. He's going to deal with his pride. I want you to listen to where his hope is and who it's in. Since we had our meeting, I have doubled down on working on becoming the man God wants me to be. I always take my friend's advice seriously, and I consider you my friend. I've asked my friend Wally to hold me accountable. I've placed myself under Wally's authority and under the authority of my church home. I continue to spend a half an hour to an hour every morning in a quiet time and praying before the Lord. I just want you to know that I'm doing all I can to improve. I would love to update you on the specifics at some time in the future. When I read that, my heart went right through my shoes. I went, oh, no, you foolish Galatian, right? I mean, look what he did. Truth, press relationship, plus work harder. And that will work if you're working on your tennis swing. But that cannot change a soul. It never could. It was never meant to. You can't change a proud heart by working on it. You can't become less vain by holding someone accountable, right? Where, where the hope in this is in himself and, I guess, diligence, I'll tell you where it's not. It's not in a miracle, and it's not a, in a sense of desperation. So how do you do it? So it, it's like this. 
if God's going to use the same way to make you a child as make you a perfect child, then you just go, look, look, let's look at your past. How did you become a child? You, you repented. You repented of what? You repented that you were trying to earn your way to heaven. You, were tr- you repented of trying to be good enough. You repented of that his gift wasn't sufficient, right? You repented of being on the wrong path. And then you have this miraculous event, right? You receive the gift of salvation. Faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. When you shift to sanctification, you do the same thing. You repent of being on the wrong road. I've been a foolish Galatian. I started by faith, and now I'm trying to perfect with all this stuff. And now it is faith alone, by grace alone, but now it's in the spirit alone. It's putting hope in the right place. And if you put hope in the right place, you get to live a great story. God wants you to live an amazing story, a salvation story that goes like this. Jesus Christ, the king of all heaven, chose to leave his robe and his ring and his shoes and disguise himself as a man so that he could pay a debt that you can't afford to pay. You couldn't pay it, so he did. And if you believe in that and that was sufficient, declared that you're righteous. And now, to make you his perfect child, you say the same thing. You say, God, I'm just using these tools like Bible study and friendships of virtue, but I'm opening up my soul and I'm saying, it's way too broken for three-day-a-week Bible studies. No Greek word's going to save this boy. I won't be made perfect unless your spirit intervenes. Because here's what I want you to leave with today because of the Bible passage. The power of the Spirit for salvation is the same as the power of the Spirit in sanctification. The hero in salvation, Jesus Christ. The hero in sanctification, the Holy Spirit. God gets the glory because he is the hero. That's the secret, and it's not supposed to be. What I'd like to propose now is uh, we'll have a song, and at the end of the song, if we could have our prayer counselors come up during the end of that song, but after the whole thing is over, maybe you'd like to come down and have someone pray for you, or you, maybe you just need to print, repent. You can just go to someone and say, I'm Matt, and I'm a foolish Galatian. <laughs> Hi, Matt. <laughs> and I realized I've been on this stupid path. I receive the grace of salvation, but I won't receive the grace of sanctification, and I'm realizing it was for other reasons. So maybe you need someone to just look into your eyes and say, all right, but not anymore. We're going to make that available to you, okay? But let me close this section of our time in a word of prayer, and then we're going to move on to our Christmas festivities. Join me. Lord, I, I, I know there's, I bet there's a few people in here that have thought that going to Mass or, or experiencing communion or doing good things, the next good thing. I I think there's people here that thought that that was what would get them into your presence without guilt. And I, I pray that your spirit cut them to the quick with truth, that it is only by trusting in your gift through Jesus Christ. And I pray that this would be the day that they changed who they belong to and they give you glory and it'd be a God story. And there's people here, Lord, I know there's a lot in a church like this that what they began in the spirit, they're trying to perfect in the flesh. They're trying to perfect with Bible studies or service or whatever it might be. And, Lord, I'd ask that you would help us to repent of that.
that we've been foolish Galatians and we're not giving you what is owed and that is glory, hero status. And so we repent of that. Lord, would you help us be a church that does this? I mean, the whole church that's always pushing out there, only grace transforms for salvation and for sanctification. Let us be a church that teaches the truth of who we celebrate. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.